0: Oh no. <laughs> Hello, this is Saren's podcast. It has many great things in it beautiful women, great discussion. It also has swear words. So if
1: you don't like that, just move on. From the kitchen table, this is Gate Close Panic. A little while ago some non-fun stuff happened in my family that made me feel like I needed to just remain stationary for a while and help deal with the fallout. One of the things I did to get through this and still enjoy my life here was start a podcast. Another thing I did was suggest to my mum that we should save up to go on a big trip together so we had something to look forward to. I'm very persuasive so in August I found myself among other places in Berlin I was staying with my friend Michael, who you'll hear me mention in the interview, and on the first night we went to dinner with a couple of other Australians just to get that authentic German experience. All through dinner, Ying Di, this week's guest, listened to me offload about all my fears about having fallen behind in my career and never being able to move into earning money doing something I wanted to be doing. Having met me maybe an hour before, she didn't hesitate to start offering the benefit of her network to me. She was encouraging and generous with her knowledge without ever being condescending. That sort of conversation was essentially what I wanted to harness when I decided to make this podcast. I wanted people to be able to enjoy the benefit of hearing someone else's insight shared with generosity, but without the grandiosity of a success story, which I think we've all heard before and just feels totally irrelevant and out of reach. I saw Christine in the Queens last night, which on a side note was insane. Please go see them if you ever can. But it also made me think about confidence in the stories we tell about ourselves. At one point during the show, Eloise, who is essentially the core of Christine and the Queens, spoke about Chris, this alter ego that she's crafted as a choice. She says, gesturing to herself at one point, everything you see here is the result of a choice, but in this sort of lovely British French accent. I like the idea of choosing to craft yourself in a certain way. Ying Di talks about herself retrospectively with the sort of confidence and kindness that most of us would use to talk about a close friend. She's realistic about her hurdles but she isn't hard on her past self and she also isn't apologizing or trying to make excuses. The way we tell stories about ourselves shapes how we feel about ourselves and every time I talk to Di I'm reminded of that. Being the kind of person who gives her attention, generosity and confidence both to others and to herself, is the kind of person I hope more people will work to craft themselves into. I'll be back at the end of the episode. Hi, Patchy. Hi, sweetie. Sorry, my dog's just come over. Um, I will be back at the end of the episode. Until then, enjoy. Hi, sweetie. Um, Okay. It's going to be all right.
0: It's going to be great. Hi, uh, my name is Ying Di Yin. I am a publicist, writer, and actor Currently, I'm working as the comm specialist, a fancier word for publicist, uh, at the Sydney Opera House, where I look after the contemporary music genre and our Vivid Live Festival.
1: Nice, perfect. Okay, cool. So, like I said before, just starting with whenever feels natural, whenever Um, feels like the natural starting point, when did you start to be interested in something that might have turned into work or was a specific job, whatever it might be for you?
0: I guess growing up as a kid, I was very, um, I was a big extrovert, I think I still am. I really liked performing and being mm-hmm. centre of attention, so I guess performance was probably the first thing that I really loved a lot. Mm-hmm. I started off singing and playing piano and just putting on shows with my mum, with my cousin, and I liked making people happy, I guess. Yeah. I think that's kind of my earliest memories of having inhibitions, which I think is it's funny looking back after being a bit older and actually trying to figure myself out it's funny how a lot of people say you should go back to it in a child and the key part I think is having no inhibitions yeah so it's never about kind of thinking what I could do in the future but just liking things yes so I liked performing I liked being creative Mm. I liked working in teams Mm. I had some really great opportunities as a kid in performance like when I was young I was in this great commercial book there's a Qantas commercial but I still call Australia home yeah and it's been the first thing I got that I was really proud of I auditioned for it and left feeling really amazing I, I was during the audition I remember thinking wow like I'm actually I'm killing it I'm feeling really in myself everything is aligning so well I'm making mm. this director laugh I'm saying all the right things I'm feeling incredibly confident and I, I got that and that was a really amazing feeling for me but I think more so the feeling of how I felt during that audition was really intoxicated I really want that feeling a lot and I kind not of, think I've worded that since as kind of wins in my life moments when things just really come together and you know you've got it like yeah. there's that inner confidence yeah and I think I've had moments of that at each post of my career yeah. as, as I've moved up yeah um, even getting my current job which I'll come to later I guess that process of applying and doing the steps felt very confident and it felt very much like it was meant to be yes. so yeah segue, but I, I think definitely no inhibitions and and trusting my gut and those feelings were things that I always were drawn to. Yes. Whether or not later on I realized that's the feeling you should be linking yourself to for career and mm-hmm. making decisions, this is mm-hmm. something that probably came later. Yeah. Or upon reflection, right now, literally, yeah. right now.
1: <laughs> At this when, very somebody, moment, when somebody asks you about it. I'm literally learning as I talk. <laughs> Good, I'm glad to yeah. provide you with some. Yeah, so thank you. <laughs> um, okay, cool. So you started. Working essentially then mm. while you were still a kid.
0: Yeah, I mean that was definitely um, An outline and that kind of I guess career that was an amazing mm. opportunity to have mm. and it gave me my sense of curiosity to travel mm. and It wasn't necessarily supportive of my family in terms of performance um, I have a Chinese background and it wasn't shut down, but it wasn't encouraged because yeah. I mean fair enough like being a performer I've known my family have been a performer in the past but I still got to do it, and I did it for fun, and I still enjoyed it, Yeah. and I guess my sisters were always incredibly creative, huge bookworms, really great at English, and really intelligent, and I kind of picked that up from them, they were mm-hmm. incredible readers, and I would always be the last one to read the books, because I was the slowest reader, and, um, and I'm kind of the only one that kept that pathway to staying in, like, working in, um, I guess, creative fields, or, yeah. I mean, I have a law degree and a media degree, so I guess... They, and they moved into medicine or they moved into nursing and midwife. So we split in that way. Yes. I think that's how my brain worked more. I think yeah. they saw it as kind of leisure and, and pleasure. And I kind of wouldn't have done anything else but yes. going down that trajectory of some way.
1: Yeah. What was school like for you? School was great. I had a really
0: great school. And I think I was really lucky. I always found I had a really great primary school mm. years. Oh, my, my friendship groups are really great I, I have still friends with my primary school friends. I think that mm. really helps as well. A lot of them are doctors actually, and but just incredibly intelligent. Mm. And yeah, I think looking back on my schooling years, for some reason, the year that I was in, as I moved up, I was, every friendship group I had were really encouraging and mm. I never kind of fell into like bad scene or whatnot. I was pretty <laughs> lucky. Or I didn't experience, like I remember my sister, she's about eight years older than me and mm. she definitely struggled at school here and there with... Racism and like bullying and whatnot and I was really lucky. I didn't um whether or not It was it was me or the timing eight years I guess a long time a decade and especially in australia. Yeah, you know Why australia policy didn't enter like the 1970s my sister would have been at school in the 90s I was in the 2000s like it's not a long time. No, and
1: that bit of time would make a huge difference
0: Yeah. Yeah, so i'm grateful for that um and high school was amazing. I I actually got into a private school, I remember. I got a scholarship. My parents were divorced and my mum really wanted me to stay there and my dad really wanted me to go to this um, mixed public school, which was still an incredible public school. Mm. And I decided to go to this public school in the end, which I'm glad I did. I had a really great experience there. I got to interact with boys, which I think helps in a certain way. I think when you, I, I think not. I would have felt the money divide if I stayed in a private girls' school. Like we weren't, you know, we went poor middle class and I think yeah. I'm just grateful that I I moved. Yeah. And still see some of those girls from the private schools and they're lovely, but we're just just different people. Yes. Yeah. So high school was great. Yeah. I was always the student that was good at everything. Like I was called captain and I did. Oh. Yes, fire. <laughs> the fire team. the elements was a very original. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I kind of was always I always did well at things. Mm. So when I didn't do well, that was always a little bit shocking. I think, I guess you get older and learn you fail and stuff. That's, I definitely had moments growing up where I was like, oh, you can't get everything you want. You're not going to get that. And they hit me pretty hard. And
1: yeah.
0: Yeah, it's interesting how you recover from that. I wonder if you ever do or you just kind of become resilient.
1: Yes, yeah. Were, yeah. You, were you really diligent or did you just... Fine things came to you, it was both.
0: Yeah, it's funny because I wasn't very good at math growing up and I had to do, um, do I you know, have <laughs> My mum made me go to cumon. Yes. Oh, yeah, I bet. Yeah, and then one day it just kind of clicked and then I became good at it. Yeah. And I was always good at English, I always loved. My favourite subjects were definitely history, English, French, I did mm-hmm. French in high school, mm. anything writing, I really loved. So okay. I really enjoyed writing, anything where I was communicating with people, I really liked. Actually, I have this really clear memory talking about moments of working where mm. I've only told this to a few people, but when I was at private school, I there was a special camp you got to go to. I think it was, I can't remember where in the hills, but somewhere. Mm. And I got in for the math, the math section. And so you pretty much go to this camp for a week and you do intensive, whatever your subject is. So I did intensive math in this group. Whoa. And I remember... Really loving it because I was amongst all these people on the same level. Mm. We were equals. We were bringing so much of the table together No one was better than someone else and I just remember feeling really part of a team Being able to lead a team was really exciting yeah. Feeling that I was really valued and mm. i remember leaving that particular camp thinking that was really cool like, that feeling was something that I Always strive for. I'm, I'm a very intuitive person. I think I could never put down like I wanted to be this I think it's more, I wanted to have this feeling. I want to feel like this. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. And that me. can be,
0: yeah. And that can be difficult to put down to a label or a title sometimes.
1: Yeah. And I mean, now saying that, it kind of feeds nicely into what I was thinking about asking you next, which is sort of when you are that kind of a kid becoming adult, how do you decide what to do when school's wrapping up? Yeah. How are you thinking about that next step for yourself? i
0: think i've had conversations
1: with friends since i
0: think being 16 17 having to decide what you want to do with your life is ridiculous yes. <laughs> just looking at a list of like degrees you could be going for and yeah
1: i what was your family kind of attitude about that period were you expected to go straight into something yeah
0: i wasn't really encouraged to take a gap here i never really thought about taking a gap here went straight into it mm. um the key thing was to get the the best school I could after year 12 to right. then have options
1: yeah okay
0: and I picked law and I picked media so I did a double degree which my parents were really happy about yeah which I was happy about too at the time it's funny I used to do so much extracurricular stuff all these all these creative endeavors playing piano singing acting all this stuff and the minute you turn 18 then you learn to drink you learn to party that all falls away and I wish someone told me to kind of keep doing that because you're going to want to come back to that. I wish I, having done acting later in life, I wish I knew about auditioning for drama schools when I was 18. Although, you know, I don't think most people get into 18, you need some life experience yes. to act. Yeah. So that's been the benefit for me since. But I wish I was encouraged to, to be able to pursue those creative pursuits professionally yes. earlier on Yes, without having to come to my own to realise that. Yeah. Because now, my mom, I don't think my mum even knows what I really do. She knows I work at the opera house, and she's really happy that I'm secure, and, like, I, I can pay for my rent, and if, at the end of the day, all she wanted to know that I'd be okay, I feel like I would have
1: strived to do more creative things. Yes, yeah. In the beginning. Yeah. But but you feel like you had a specific idea of what she wanted for you not beyond necessarily. That. I
0: don't think I picked things for what my parents wanted me to do. I just wasn't encouraged or shown those other sides. Yep. I think. Yeah. And it wasn't till upon reflection or coming to my own that I realised I could be doing those things. Yes. I still had a creative mind always mm-hmm. and. We did this disc profile thing at work recently and I'm definitely an extrovert who thrives on meeting people, and connecting people, which makes sense in my job yes. that I do. So I think whatever I was going to do, I had to be around people. Yeah. So yeah, I guess, I don't know how I came to choosing law and media. Media made sense, I guess, because it had that interaction mm. had that creativity, but still mm. was vague enough where you don't have to make a complete decision. Yeah. Law, <laughs> I like reading, I like writing. It's a really prestigious degree to get into. Yeah. So I think a lot of that went into it. Yeah. And then it wasn't until my third year to a gap year. Mm. Not gap year, sorry, I went on exchange. Mm. So I went on exchange to UC Berkeley in California. Yeah. yeah, which was huge. I was really... It's funny, I never thought to take a gap year because I always knew I would go on exchange. Right. That I always knew, and I don't know how I knew that.
1: Yeah.
0: I just knew. Yeah. Which is funny, some things you just can't explain. Yeah. I think the best advice I got given before I went I just, and I also think I was really lucky that I just encountered some certain people before I got to my exchange that just gave me this advice at pivotal moments that Mm. led me to certain things like when I decided to go on exchange, I went to some random party and someone had been on exchange and told me, the best advice I would give you is say yes to everything the first two weeks because after that people build their friendship groups and whatnot and that was such an important message for me because that did define my year so easily.
1: You were away for a whole year. I went for a whole year. Wow, yeah, that's major. It was huge,
0: and I was twenty. I turned twenty-one when I got to America, so mm. I went to Europe for two months yep. to visit some friends, and I, then I traveled to New York. I had like an auntie there, a mm-hmm. week. then I went to San Francisco, started school, was there for the full year, the mm. full school year, and then I wasn't quite ready to go home, and decided so then I got an internship. I started working at an internship, and went back to New York for wow. four or five months. And then I could have kept extending my visa. Yeah. But I was young, I was tired, I had finished my degree, I would to work, you know, cash in hand places. Yeah. You know, everyone kept telling me you don't need a degree. You could just really find your way. And I really could've. I just was just not ready. Was yeah. in the mindset for it. Yeah, that's very young. Yeah, super young. I look back on that and I'm like,
1: fuck. Yeah. Like kudos to me. Like, Absolutely. It's incredible how resilient you are at that age really considering how fresh you are i think that's what travel does to you as well yes
0: yeah it's funny how you can kind of get a bit scared and put down when you're in in your own comfortable hometown or town in australia Mm -hmm. or even think about it when you travel like how much have you achieved
1: Yes, yeah. Being put out of your comfort zone. Absolutely, I think it just makes you a lot more elastic. Yeah. While you're away, and yeah, yep. you're right. You get back, and it doesn't take long for fall. things to kind
0: of yeah, time mm. back up.
1: What was the internship?
0: It was working
1: at a film distribution
0: company. They're killing, it, actually. I just recently did the distro for MIA's doco. I saw, wow, huge, a big one for them, and I had a really great time working for them. I mean, mm. it wasn't paid. I worked two or three days a week. Mm-hmm. I was partying a lot. But I was also like living on Bedford Avenue in Williamsburg, which was really like, fucking oh, cool. Wow. Renting apartment, I was twenty-one, and I look back on that and just think that wow, was wow. cool. Yeah, and I came back really different. Like I had grown a lot.
1: I bet. How had you been living before you went on that exchange? At home. Yeah, right. So yeah. it was a major, major. My mom. I remember when I found out. My mom was
0: like, "Oh, okay." But she was just really sad that I was going. Oh.
1: Well, of course, yeah. little baby. Are you the youngest? I'm the youngest. Yeah, of course.
0: Yeah. Then. And all of totally. my sisters did that, so. Yeah. But yeah, that was one of the, that was such another key moment in my life. Like yes. A key win, I guess. Yeah. And I met so many great people there. And I think if anything, I just, being there, you mean people who are not just multilingual, they're trilingual. Mm. They are, I don't know, they're, they're, they're always thinking transnational in every mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. Even following a lot of them, what they do now, oh my God, they're doing amazing things. Mm-hmm. And Berkeley was something, it sounds so corny, but I think it's because most people in Australia mm-hmm. don't leave their hometown to study uni. In America, it's, even if you're from South California, you go up to North California or vice versa, you, you physically move. Yes. Whereas here we don't. Mm-hmm. There was something about being at that school, like it's Ivy League level, but it's still public, so it's accessible to a lot of people. Yeah. It just really felt like I could be whoever I wanted to be sounds yeah. so lame but I loved it yeah and like a beautiful history and yeah. there's
1: such huge activism in that school and mm. beautiful grounds and I mean that's what that's what university and travel are meant to yeah meant to do for you when yeah. you're young so yeah I, I mean I guess it's a cliche for a reason yeah so a lot of people are getting those experiences totally. out of that Okay, cool. So you got back and you felt like you were really different. Yeah. How did you – did you come back to your old life? Did you just move back in with your parents and continue Back to my parents,
0: yes. I went back to this bar that I worked at. Mm -hmm. And I actually had this real craving to do acting all of a sudden. Yeah. Okay, so I've been singing for ages. I've done a bit of acting. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I really want to try this. I think because I met a few people who were actors, I took a few acting classes Mm -hmm. when I was there as well. I did a lot of freelance writing actually when I was over in the UK. Um, UK, the US, oh. so I came back and did a lot more freelance writing, like the classic publications in Adelaide, which yeah. were great, and that's and I really, I mean, the media degree in Adelaide, I think I mean degree anyway, anywhere, wherever you are, is, I mean, one of the best things I tell anyone who's going to do a vague degree you have to find your own experiences. Like you're not gonna get everything you want from that degree. No. So I sought out all these internships, these unpaid jobs, and I was freelance writing and mm. I had a friend who was a director and a producer and worked on a few films with him. Yeah. And kind of met a casting agent and auditioned for a few things here and there. And just was doing a lot of, I was just doing a lot of things while I was studying.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting you should say that because I remember speaking to michael mm-hmm. um about living in new york and how if you spend time living there your kind of threshold for just getting shit done essentially yeah. is much higher because people are doing a lot yep. and so if you can kind of get into that habit even if you leave and yep. move away you can take that with you and keep so mm-hmm. many plates spinning yep. which it kind of sounds like you've managed to do yeah i felt like i was doing that
0: I definitely felt encouraged to keep going because I was on the move for a good year and a bit, you Mm -hmm. know, and why stop there and yeah, it was such a nice time. Mm -hmm. It was also a time where I think you let go of so many little, I grew so much in my personality and in my resilience for things, it's quite a young age when you think about it, I came back a lot more confident, I didn't really care as much what people thought, I still care obviously, like I'm 21, definitely going to (laughs) care. But I, yeah, I was, I was hustling a lot more.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Something's different. Yeah. 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 And if you're coming back to your small city from this more sort of mm-hmm. multinational city, then your perspective on people's opinions of you is going to be changed. Totally. By that, of course, which is great for you when you're that young and you really need to be shown that your little world is not the whole world. Yeah, yeah, like, people notice and say
0: things and notice it too, which mm-hmm. is nice, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then after I came back, so I came mm-hmm. back around like July, August, mm-hmm. and then I started the last semester of uni.
1: Oh, okay, yeah.
0: And then I, because um, I was in my hustling mode, I <laughs> got an internship in Sydney. Wow. So a friend of mine, I'm still very good friends with now. She just moved to New York, and we used to always talk about moving to New York. And she's finally there with her oh, partner. She's nice. so so And she's so lovely. Yeah. She um. I knew her from singing Australian mm-hmm. Girls Choir. We used to have camps with like all the Melbourne, Sydney girls. Yeah, She works in PR herself. Her mum mm-hmm. is owned a PR agency called Lantern Group at the time. And I was saying I wanted to intern and work with her for her to have any positions. And they took me on. And I spent three months in Sydney. And we, had, we spent so much time together. And I love Sydney. I interned mm-hmm. there. And we worked on the Logies, the Actors Awards, oh, and Flickrfest, and I never really spent t- much time in Sydney as an adult, and that kind of opened my world up to a lot of things, yeah. and that was really fun. <laughs> yeah, and that was my catalyst to eventually say, okay, I'll graduate and I want to come back to Sydney, because yes. I really enjoyed Sydney. Yeah, okay. And I enjoyed PR, and I really enjoyed being on the ground and doing things. We have to be in a fast-paced environment. Like, I thrive in that. Mm, I like yeah. sorting things out quickly. Right. I like... I like being in the thick of things. Yes, for yeah. sure.
1: Yeah, which is a valuable thing yeah. to have figured out before you've graduated. Yeah, because for a lot of people, they're not able to figure that out until yeah. they're kind of out the other side. Mm. How were you living while you're at university? Just bar work? Oh, so it's like the side jobs. Yeah, so I was.
0: I had a lot of side. And that's another thing. I always had a lot of side jobs, mm. <laughs> whether I was like working or freelancing. I was working in bar, mm. retail. Mm-hmm. Um, I was also teaching singing as well. I was quite, I kept that as well. And yeah, I think I went three actually when I think yeah. about it.
1: Yeah, and we, with your parents the whole time? You I was were with eating. my parents.
0: Yeah, I was staying with my mum, living with my mum, and we always lived quite far out, which is always slightly annoying. Um, but that was nice. And yeah. I think I moved out of home. When did I move out of home? Okay, I did move out of home. So I graduated. Yeah. And then I, um, And then I left pretty much straight away.
1: So my last, i got to say, my last
0: semester of uni, I was all over the place. I was i was working so much. I was working from reach out in a day to literally to finish at 6 o'clock, walk down 15 minutes and start at 6.30 at my bar job. But I made a lot of cash. And you're working at home, classic Adelaide. Yeah. Amazing. So I, I made <laughs> a lot of money in four months to then go travelling for six months in Europe. Wow. So I was, yeah finished uni, I was a little bit naughty in Adelaide, like partying, and then I was like, oh, i got to get my plane. I had a really bad breakup around that time, actually, so I left feeling very heartbroken and sad, mm, yeah. but I was mm. never not going to travel, which is probably the best thing that happened to me. So I just traveled for six months. Nice. I went to Europe, I had a lot of friends from my exchange that I met up with. And mm. My whole theory about traveling is when I start feeling scared about traveling, I need to get on a plane to go. Yeah. You know, it's funny how I can't always apply that to other things in my life, but for some reason with traveling, I can. Yeah. I did that had a really great six months mm. didn't really have an idea of what I was coming back to do but just really wanted to travel yeah yeah I fell in love with so many different places mm. and then came back and I was like I was really tired I think I just needed to sit still I think mm. it was like my first kind of heartbreak and just first time I had like a friend be terrible to me a boy be terrible to me and I was like just learning so much from that, yes and I came back and just kind of needed to, sit, to stand still. Mm-hmm. So I stood still and in, in Adelaide, I moved out, mm-hmm. moved out um, with some friends and had my own experience. And I was working back in bar and like uh, freelance writing and teaching here and there, mm-hmm. and I did that for about six months. And then after a while, I was like, "What am I doing? <laughs> this is so yeah. unlike you, it's so unlike me to just be standing still." I love Adelaide, but I always wanted to move away from Adelaide. Especially whatever I wanted to do, I needed to be elsewhere. Yes. And then I just got to a point where I was like, I need to go. It doesn't yeah. matter where I go, but I need to go. Mm-hmm. And then I took this job through a friend in Sydney. It was the most bizarre job. Looking back on it, I'm like, why did I think this was even a job? <laughs> I got offered quite a nice job actually in Adelaide. I was like, no, no, I need to leave. <laughs> and I got there to Sydney. My partner moved with me at the time. He also got a job. So timed out really well. Wow. Timed out really well, sorry, and got there and then within three months I didn't have a job. It was like this entrepreneurship business. Just basically rich kids who had a lot of money, who wanted to start a business, but didn't know what to do. And I was fresh out of uni and I was in a graduate position. I needed someone above me to manage me and to really teach me and guide me. Like yeah. I was you know, I wasn't shy to say that. Like I wasn't like as much as you'd love it in the movies where you graduate, take the bulls by the horns and you can lead the whole area like realistically I needed to be guided yeah like I was fresh out of uni and yeah so then there wasn't really a job for me and they to be honest they made me redundant but they gave me a payout I was like look that's fine you need to pay me out for this however many X grand for however many weeks and the best thing ever happened to me (laughs) I actually remember going having a meeting after she told me and she was like so you're going to move back to Adelaide now and I was like no like definitely not I was really surprised she asked me that like in my head if anything that was like the best thing that could have happened to Mm. me and then I had to go back to retail I had to go back to hospital yeah so there was this kind of gap for like four or five months where I was doing that I was like Mm. oh no I'm back doing that but at least I'm in Sydney yeah I remember there was this moment (laughs) this lady out of that whole experience there's one lady that I met Her name was Dee as well, actually. And she was so lovely. And it's really nice to meet people who are doing really well in their career and just to look at you and be like, you remind me of this person or I see you kind of doing these really amazing things. It's really nice when you're so young, you take those compliments so much to heart because you don't know what the fuck you're going to do. Like I, at that point, I was like, what am I doing with my life? And I also have to have a job right now. So what's going on? Yeah. So it was really nice that she took a, a special interest in me. Yeah. That's definitely one thing I need to keep in mind and always want to keep in mind no matter where I am at any stage of my career is to remember what it's like from the very beginning when you're hustling and you are desperate and you're like faking it till you make it. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, you're not a disingenuous person, but you sometimes kind of have to be really like, you have to play the game. Yeah. I hate doing that. I hate not being genuine. Yeah. but sometimes you need to do it. So I really appreciated her and I... I have this vivid memory of I think it was like a Wednesday night. I was like sitting in bed watching Netflix or something. I get this call from her and she's like, "D, what are you doing?" And I was like, "Oh, I'm just at home." And she's like, "I'm at the Sydney Film Festival opening. I'm staying with my friend. She's the CEO of Timeout. I told her about you. You come down now, right now, and meet him." And I was like, "Right now?" She's like, "Yeah, right now." And I was like, oh, "Okay." And in my head, I was like, "Oh, so I go? I'm literally in bed up in my pajamas. It's like 8:30 p.m." And I was like you've got nowhere to be tomorrow, you've got nothing to lose, <laughs> slap on some lipstick, put on a dress and go. And I did that. And I went down and met her, met him, and he was like, hi, talk to, him. Talk to this lady. And I um, talked to another lady who went to time out. And I really connected with her and she was so lovely. Mm-hmm. And she got my number, got my email address. I didn't really hear from her about a month. And then we met up and she said, we really like, you we can offer you three day, three day week. Um, work mm. um, until the end of the year and then I started working at Time Out and that was kind of my first kind of getting back into I guess my work career mm. in the meantime I was freelance writing and I was auditioning mm-hmm. for things I was I got an agent and I was just half-heartedly doing acting Yeah, and then I did that and then I worked at American Apparel mm. and working in American Apparel was probably the first that was probably the first retail job where I really connected with people in sydney yeah um, made some really great friends and my friends i'm still really close to today mm. yeah and then timeout finished they couldn't offer me a full-time job and i was kind of back to square one again yeah which really i remember going home for christmas when my contract ended and you know when you come home after moving away and everyone's like so what are you doing you're like, what are you doing and i had to just repeat a lot of the same things and it differently to it myself feel better like oh yeah. i was working at timeout and then I'm not sure what I'm going to do next year, or filling it out, or, or just saying I'm working a time out and just leaving it at that. And <laughs>
1: yeah, I know feel feeling. Like... Yeah.
0: Yeah, okay. So that was great. Mm-hmm. And then what happened next? I came home, working retail, new year started. I remember having real moments of like panic and like feeling like I wasn't doing enough of anything to mm-hmm. really get anywhere. I wasn't doing enough acting stuff, I wasn't doing enough job hunting I wasn't hustling hard enough and really feeling inadequate mm. at the beginning of that year I remember and that was not a nice feeling no it's funny how career is connected to your security of self and I'm still actually trying to figure out what that is still I don't think it's always healthy mm. but I think we were speaking at like this offline about how I could never work in a job where it wasn't something that I wanted to do and be involved in for like 40-50 hours I could not mm. need to be because there's so much time, so much your hours of your life. Yes. Yeah. And so I think it's natural that your career would define you in some way.
1: Yep. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh my okay. God, these dogs are so hard. Is it your neighbours? Yeah. <laughs> Shut um, up. Okay, so how long did this period stretch on for? Yeah, I
0: think I was hustling for a good eight months. Wow. Even I even count the time out here if it was only part-time hustling. Yeah. And then I came back and through a friend, she knew someone that worked a record label mm-hmm. that needed some help for um and just help during six weeks of this period where a lot of people were out. And what if I just said the name? Yeah, I guess I've said time out. Yeah. The label was called Inertia, so it was an indie label. Mm-hmm. And I met went in and met them and got along really well with them and luckily all the music they represented was totally on my alley. And it was totally kinda of meant to be in a way. Yeah. And I just, after six weeks, I just proved myself and worked, worked my way up and there was a position opening for the publicist role and I applied for it and they took me on.
1: Nice.
0: And that's where I really learnt how to be a publicist. I had done publicity before for, like, a few films here and there and freelance and whatnot, mm-hmm. but this was the first thing I kind of learnt from a organisational point of view. And I did that for, like... About 18 months. Wow. Yeah, so that went by really fast. Had a really great time. Really cemented a really solid friendship group there. Yeah. So mm-hmm. many incredible women in that label that are still my friends now. And just... the music scene in Sydney is so lovely. Yeah. Um, and I was still doing acting there. I was, like, doing bits and pieces here and there. I was trying to pursue both, and I wasn't really sure which way I was going and where, where I wanted to go in that. And there were still moments of anxiety of, like, am I doing – enough with both, or am I actually loving where I am and should I be a publicist and life-fulfilling and all these internal questions, which still creep up every now and then for sure. But, yeah, and then at the time I was really enjoying it and then it got to a point where I wasn't able to really grow anymore my job. There wasn't really anywhere else for me to go and I was feeling very much the need to move on. And I applied for a few jobs, got really close to a few that were really... Now with that were jobs I didn't think I'd be eligible for, and it also made me realize going away and hustling for a year or two and actually getting all this experience made me so much more eligible for all these amazing jobs that two years ago I couldn't even get in the room for. Yes. Yeah. and So then this job at Opera House came up, and I knew someone that worked there, and he told. And then I had about four people send me that job, like you need to apply for this, and I did, and it was one of those. It was one of the most seamless processes I've ever been involved in for a job.
1: Mm. And it was really amazing i was really happy to get it yeah
0: yeah and i've been there for over a year now
1: what's that job like it's it's
0: great so i look after all the comms while Sydney opera house contemporary music program mm-hmm. um for contemporary music uh genre and then i work on our flagship festival which is vivid live mm-hmm. and um we did have festival called Graphic Festival but mm. that's no longer at the moment and yeah I really I think for me at the time I loved working in music and I still love working in music mm-hmm. I think it's, it's a natural passion of mine I it's I'm very it's very again intuitive mm. like I do seek out bands up and coming or I do seek out new music it just, it's just something that I've always been interested in yeah but I realized that I was not like a diehard fan I wanted to be in the industry forever I I wanted to I had other interests as well, and I wanted to layer it in some other way. Yes, and Opera House was really, you know, a, you know, what a beautiful icon, what a symbol of culture, what a symbol of Australia. It's the meeting point of so of a, a nexus of so many different genres. Like, it's not just music; it's theatre, it's talks and ideas, it's kids and learning, it's contemporary performance. Mm. It's, you know, from Resnickus. Things, cabaret to having Nelson Mandela speak there, like it's got a huge history yes. and so many people come in and out of it. Yeah. And so I really wanted a job where I felt that there was like a social and political undercurrent that ran through it. Yes, maybe it's from having something more in some way. I, I don't know. I felt like I needed a bit more meaning mm. to my job. Mm. I think bringing joy, in music, and spreading creativity and whatnot is so important. Yeah. But for me, I just wanted that on another level there yeah and so Opera House was kind of what was it yeah and so and then Opera House has been really great because it's, it's really challenged me to, to look in different ways write in different ways you know you're you're part of a government organization so how you view things and how you work in arts government is really different from how you work from an independent label yeah. or in, independent organization so I feel like I'm learning a lot through that yeah um and just the artistic standards there are so high and right? i mm-hmm. Working and representing and telling the stories of these amazing artists, mm. um, and like Vivid Live is such an incredible festival. You know, this year we had some really amazing artists who really do have a political and social stance, mm. like Kid Cello, Ice Cube, Cat Power. You know, it was really that was really amazing. I was really proud to be a part of that. Yeah. So yeah. there are so many levels within an organisation that. I'm, like, taking what I need from it and yeah. learning how to grow from it, but I'm also really proud to be a part of it. Yes, yeah. And, yeah, and I think it's, it fed into my other aspirations of, of of still doing acting and meeting other like-minded people. a lot of people at the also are performers in their own way yeah. and it made me realise that, like, I could still do two mm. things at once. Mm. I don't – I'm still figuring out how to do that and, like, trying to give time to both, mm-hmm. but I'm less – Concerned about it now. I feel like I've, I don't know entered another stage of my life where I'm not stressing so mm-hmm. much. There's definitely doubt there. There's still fear there of what am I going to do. But I feel like I can. I feel like you can do things simultaneously, but you also have to, to realize you can't always do everything at once. Yes. Yeah. And as long as I'm doing something creative, I think I still will be happy. Yes. Mm. But there will be a moment where I'll need to challenge myself a bit more. Maybe focus on, you know making something for myself or making a form of art, whether that's performance and acting, whether that's writing a piece, whether that's, you know, talking and doing a podcast, or speaking on radio, or just representing myself in some way. Mm. I think those ways of creativity and making things making mm-hmm. something that I own can come in different forms. And I'm trying to I'm trying to find ways to execute
1: that. And I think it's quite common in our generation and I you know, I think it I think it's sort of like playfully referred to as being a side hustle for a lot of us but I do think there is that feeling that we aren't happy to just contribute to a bigger machine Mm. a lot of young people like to have like a second stream to their bow something else going on even if it is at a much lower level Mm. a much lesser frequency some kind of Self-expression. Yeah. Apart from that, yeah. I think really nourishes a lot of people, and I think it's kind of a, it's becoming an irrelevant idea. Just, you know, picking your career or your job or whatever, and that being it. Like twenty years, and then yeah. you retire. Yeah. Thirty yeah. years, more like. But yeah.
0: Yeah, I think so, and I think there will be a time where I might need to give up that. You know, I work full time. I have benefits. I and I feel supported mm. there probably will be a time where I might need to let go of that I mean ultimately mm. I love to kind of freelance and work for myself I think that's the dream in some way mm. and doing what I love but as for all 9 to 5 jobs as they go like it's. I've got it pretty good at the moment i got to say and I'm like don't take that for granted at all mm. I know a lot of people would want to be in my position and work for an organisation for that so mm. in that respect I definitely work to the best of my abilities in that and want to learn as much as I can yeah but yeah yeah, I am definitely going through a period right now of thinking realistically like what is my next step Mm. and then that just I don't know if that's a generational thing but I think people are always looking for the next step once you're in it and you're comfortable Mm -hmm. and yeah
1: deciding what that is Mm. and I think in our generation you're kind of asked in so many jobs that you apply for or that you end up in you're asked to be really multi-skilled yeah. and have a, a really wide range of experience before you come into that mm. and then you can't just shed all of that Yes, you can't just shed all of those things that you have tried and that you've enjoyed in the past you're mm. not going to stop wanting to yeah to do to use those skills yeah. just because you've gotten a job
0: yeah so maybe it's just having different chapters in your life which i really like as well yeah or you could have someone that I was trying to think someone that has a real like if you have a clothing label, for example. Like, I'm sure mm-hmm. they have aspirations for other things as well. Yeah, you don't need to always just be locked into just this title and always yes. be that person.
1: Yeah, I
0: agree. So, you can make clothes, but you could also decide to make a ceramics or some start writing a book,
1: whatever it is. Yes, but that feels like there's a certain freedom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You said um, the nine to five. And I wonder how realistic that is for you yeah. in terms of what your day or your week or your month looks like in this role. It's so dependent on
0: seasons and when our shows are. Oh. So I'm about to enter about six or seven shows in a row in, right now because it's summer period, mm. which I can't complain at all if I get to see all the artists that I've promoted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so sometimes it's working your classic like nine to five, nine Whatever it is, and then hanging around, going to a show, being an artist and whatnot, and doing that like three or four nights in a row. I mean, this is very unusual to have like quite a few, several shows in a row. Yeah. So there's that. But, you know, the benefits are pretty good. Yeah. I think there's a lot of autonomy in my job, which mm-hmm. I appreciate. And I think organizations need to have that. If you yeah. need to make people feel like they can manage their own time. Mm-hmm. That's the whole thing, I think. If you want, if organizations want, organizations want people to stay in them, mm-hmm. you have to give them that respect i think yeah i agree And so you know some people have it worse and better than others Mm. but i like that i can kind of set my own rules Mm. within reason obviously Mm. um so then there's that and then come vivid time it's the campaign really goes from jan to june Mm -hmm. so my life really is vivid around that time yeah and when we actually are in season from may to june yeah it's just living at the house yeah but also so fun like and that kind of combines the two things of I am working at a desk doing the calm side of things a lot of the times, but then I, I'm on ground and I'm running around and I'm talking with production, I'm talking with backstage people and I'm trying to meet press to get here, I'm trying to be the artist there. Like I'm running around being involved and leading yeah. things and that excites that side of me that likes working in a team.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We're so I'm sort of conscious of us starting to wrap up. Mm. I guess just what I wanna ask before we do is is there anything that we that's sort of salient to your experience in your career that we haven't touched on.
0: Ooh. Don't rush. That question is so hard. I definitely struggle as a person to be defined and put in certain boxes. Even when you asked me to teach myself, I was like, oh, am I a writer? Am I an actor? Yeah. Am I a publicist? I don't know. I feel like I should be way more confident doing this <laughs> podcast and saying I am all these things and you can be too. You can do it. But I think, like we are saying, everything's really malleable. And yeah. I think even just saying and repeating that line several times, like I, I was telling you, like, I did a, a radio show recently and I that was pretty much like my, my beginning line of how I was introduced. And that made me, that was probably the first time I didn't cringe because I could look back and say, like, yes, I am these things mm-hmm. and I can be these things. And sometimes I am more of a popper than I am a writer or more of an actor than I am anything else. But think all the touch points of my career have been said but I think the idea is hopefully like this is just I feel like this is another level another stage of where I'm at that's only gonna get more exciting mm-hmm. whether or not I move on to another I mean I will move on to another job naturally it's, it's just inevitable especially I think when you work in media yeah. you know what was that golden rule that they said in a media industry you Should only be at a job no more than two years and move on and take what you need which at the time I thought was really short, but it kind of does make sense. I think when you get to a certain level and you can climb up and be the head of something, you might want to stay for a long time.
1: Yeah.
0: But right now I think there's so many things I want to learn still that I do want to keep moving mm-hmm. on. Yeah. But I definitely feel like it comes from just being a little bit older, having bad experiences, and knowing they're always going to be okay, that it's, I'm feeling a lot more excited actually to or like whatever that next step is or mm not being fearful of it. So I don't know. I don't
1: know if they any question. Yeah, it does. It's perfect. Okay, great. That's it. We did it. We did it. You did it. You did so well. Oh my god. Ooh. Does that feel okay? I think so. Good. Okay, I'm just gonna I say I think it I feel like
0: one one thing I would say. Yeah. It's like I don't know, that's a recording. Is yeah. it? Okay. I think the one thing I'd say if anyone's like struggling to look for work or anything, mm. I've definitely been and I've had people say this to me and I've been like sure. But <laughs>
1: it really like does work out and end. yeah I think when we met yeah in Berlin we had this conversation yeah, because did. I feel that way yeah. and you said the same thing yeah. to me yeah and yeah I think it it's funny with so many things in life not just work it feels like it's never gonna happen yeah. until it does mm. and even if you know I'm we're older, we know Mm. theoretically that most things are just around the corner and you just have to kind of keep pushing towards them. It can feel like they will never happen Mm. until they do.
0: I think I have to keep reminding myself of that even though I know I'm so fortunate in my position and I'm Mm. happy where I am. Mm. There are still things that I want and that I'm scared to go for at times and then I have to keep... Actually, this has been slightly therapeutic me saying that, it's like, I should take what I say to heart. Things that I still want, like it will be okay, it will work out if you really want it, it will be okay, mm. so something comforting about that. I think so too. I think we've like, been around long enough <laughs> to know that things do work out, yeah.
1: I'm talking like to all of these.
0: I know, I'm <laughs> oh wow, Just wait in Just don't worry, darling, <laughs> <don't> we're <worry>, <laughs> just fine. Traffic okay, game Perfect. That page. that's good that's how we oh. should end it no,
1: <laughs> as usual if you've got any questions for me or ying d just reach out to me on our social also like and follow us in all the right places i've been Sarah and bell this has been gate close panic i'll see you in a fortnight